What I love most about Mi Gente is our community and how important it is to take care of our own. Hey, it's Honey and Carolina. On our podcast, Life in Spanglish, we talk about how important being there for your loved ones is. Pero también sobre lo importante que es tener a alguien dispuesto a apoyarte cuando lo necesites, como lo hace State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals? Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com Welcome, folks, to another week of the Custard TV podcast. As you all know, if you're hearing my voice, this means that Luke's having a, a week off. I think he's washing his hair or something like that. Joining me this week, we have got a new voice to the podcast. Uh, we've got Sucky Kark from the Around the Console and is it Trek This Out, your other podcasts. That's right. That's yeah. Right. Welcome, Sucky. Thanks for joining us today from Deepest Darkest Will and Hall. <laughs> it is a bit dark. It's a bit <laughs> gloomy out there. Very wet. Joining us uh, live from her soapbox, <laughs> this week's viral sensation, Sarah Kennedy is also here. I've been called many things in my time, but I've never been called that. Hi, Matt. How are you? Hi. <laughs> Should we start with this, Sarah? Because it sort of stems from a, a a TV show that we talked about last week. This it is going to hurt. Does. So last uh, year's yeah. viral was with Nigella and the lovely Reverend Richard Coles. Apparently I go viral about once a year. This year, it's off the back of This Is Going To Hurt, um, the excellent programme last week with Adam Kay, his memoirs about life in the NHS. So been having a little chit chat with him and with Jason Kay, which is lovely. Really nice to have that bit of interaction, especially when you've written a good review, not a bad one. <laughs> I like it when people find me when I've written a good review. Um, and I don't know what was up with me. I think I just got a little bit, yeah, soapboxy. I got a little bit angry. And, and wrote a tweet in defense of the NHS and how. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie, with me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. JP Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. 
politics has used it as a football, let's say, for at least at least our whole lifetimes. Fortunately, there wasn't a great deal of chit chat because I know that sometimes viral tweets can go terribly wrong and you can attract all the wrong kind of people to your account and the people who do just want to fight. But yeah, at the moment, it's about 700 likes, which is quite a lot for me, (laughs) for any tweet I've ever done before. That is up on um, whynow.co.uk if you want to see where that anger came from. (laughs) Righteous anger. (laughs) And what was the Nigella tweet from last year? I sort of Oh, the Nigella tweet from last year was, last year I was a very new widow, this year I'm one year in, so I don't know what I'm talking about. Spoiler, I do not know what I'm talking about. But it was trying to get my mojo back in the kitchen when you're just cooking for one person. So Nigella had loads of ideas and her whole followers have loads of ideas. And Reverend Richard Coles popped up to talk about it as well. You know, it was very overwhelming and it was so strange. It was the night before my birthday as well. And I was half cut when these messages started rolling in. So that was a problem. (laughs) So Twitter can be a place for good as well as sort of evil. (laughs) If it was all rage all the time, I, I would not be there any longer. Talking telly. This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Well, off the top, we're going to talk about where you can find us and, and, and things like that. So I'm at Matt's TV Bites on Twitter. The site is at the Custard TV. Luke has separated his Twitter out now, so I think he'd like us to mention that. He's got his own personal Twitter where you can see his face. I believe it's... Beautiful little face. I love that photo. He looks so (laughs) cheeky and adorable. I'm going to have to check that out then, aren't I? So cute. I I believe he's at It's Luke Knowles on Twitter. Up this week on the site, we have got reviews of uh, the Louis Theroux documentary that we'll be talking about shortly. Luke's written about that. Uh, the latest episode of Euphoria, there's a review of that. There's also a review of Inventing Anna, the new uh, Netflix drama, and something we talked about. Oh, Starstruck, the, the sitcom, rather than the ITV reality show, because it's really confusing. So confusing. <laughs> Suki, do you want to talk a bit about your podcast for a moment? That you're, uh... Oh, I can do, yes. Yeah. I don't mind bleating on about that. <laughs> so I've got a couple of podcasts. Uh, the first one is a Doctor Who podcast, which is called Around the Console. And I'll do that with uh, Bob, John, Craig and Cliff. And we just chinwag about various Doctor Who stories. And the same goes with the other podcast, which I do, which is Trek This Out podcast, which is a Star Trek podcast, which I do with Andrea and Lindsay. And again, we're at the moment, we're currently doing Discovery. And then we'll go on to Picard. And I think we'll go straight on to Strange New Worlds where we'll just be discussing them on a weekly basis. And you're recording that later today. So you're um, doing two podcasts in a row today, which is very admirable. I think we've got a professional on the show, Matt. He's going to oh, see God. right through us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a professional amateur. Yeah, I've been doing this 10 years. I still don't know what I'm doing. I think Luke just felt sorry. I think it's just I'm available every week. And Sarah, do you want to talk about a little bit about what you've got around? You, you mentioned Why Now. Is yeah, that right? whynow.co.uk. Um, at the moment, it's about monthly sort of deep dives on shows, um, previews. Um, and then also at the end of every month, I'll do a roundup of seven shows you might have missed. So if you do want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Sarah Hamstera. Please don't like my viral tweet. It's it's enough now. It's gone. It's gone. It's done. <laughs> but do suggest shows that I should be watching this month. That'd be great. The sort of little known gems. I love to hear about them. 
And the shows we'll be covering this week are Louis Theroux's latest documentary, Forbidden America, Reacher, the new uh, adaptation on Amazon Prime. We have The Fear Index, which is the uh, four-part adaptation of Robert Harris's uh, novel. And Bel Air, which is the bizarre update of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, which we'll get to. I've got a lot of thoughts on that. So first up then, uh, we've got Louis Theroux's uh, Forbidden America. This is looking at the far-right extremist groups. Um, I'm not sure if he's focusing on a different one each week, but this week it was America First. Uh, we met three individuals. The first was Nick Fuentes, who is sort of the leader of the American First uh, movement. He is charismatic, has, has managed to get a lot of people to follow him through like online gaming and what have you. There's also a guy who just goes by the name of Baked Alaska, rather than his birth name of Tim. Uh, he's another online far-right activist and then there's another guy who's called, I believe, Beardson Beardley. Yeah. <laughs> he went viral for um, appearing at an America First rally and subsequently in another video doing what looked like a Nazi salute. He gets very confrontational when, when Louis brings this up. So, first of all, what are, what are people's relationships with Louis Theroux in terms of, you know, how much have we watched? How, you know, how do we feel about him? I watched a lot. I think at the start of his career, he was really interesting. Um, his sort of style of interviewing, which is sort of like to gain people's trust and then just be quiet and give them enough rope to hang themselves, was kind of strange and unusual um, back in the day. But now I think everybody knows his little tricks. I don't like him as much as my husband did. Um, my husband watched everything. So, you know, when you kind of like end up watching the thing that's on. Um, and I know that my husband was really interested in watching his show that he produced during lockdown, where he got back in touch with subjects. So like, um, was it a couple of women who'd left the Westboro Baptist Church who got on a call with him and he made a programme around that and stuff like that. And that was quite interesting to see how those people's lives had changed in the intervening time um, and whether, you know, being part of Louis Theroux's documentary had sort of helped or hindered or, you know, just how they were getting on. And obviously, he was twiddling his thumbs, didn't have much to do because he couldn't get out on the road. But it did seem like it came from a place of genuine concern. And I found that quite interesting with this show itself, this episode especially, it just seems very on the surface. There's not a lot here that he sort of goes deep into. So I wonder whether he went for sort of broad scope rather than like really drilling down on the people and the issues. And what about you, Suki, in terms of like Louis Theroux? What's your relationship with it, with his back catalogue? There, well, there is no relationship <laughs> with me and Louis Theroux in, uh, with his okay. back catalogue <laughs> at all. Uh, I mean... He's a familiar face on television, and you do know what he, what he's all about. Me personally, I've not really watched any of his shows. <laughs> now, this is my first time. <laughs> this is my first time I've watched uh, a documentary that he's made, and again, with like Sarah, it just seemed to be a lot of stuff that you could have found anywhere else at all. It wasn't incisive. Uh, it wasn't clear as to what he was trying to go for it just as she says it was just everything just seems to be on the surface and you just don't know 
what he was trying to do. I mean, a lot of people know that there is a far right movement going on in America and it seems to be fueled by the online community. But Louis doesn't seem to delve that deep into it, except focusing on these two or three. I mean, there's a couple of shocking moments in there. One, especially when he showed a video of somebody threatening a woman, which I found really Mm. I mean, she's defending it for some reason. She seemed to, I think in my mind, she seemed to be defending it as a joke. But I looked at, I heard that video, watched that video, and I'm thinking, that is just bang out of order. It's just horrible to watch. And you don't want to be seeing those sort of threatening things, be it a woman, man, whatever. That would seem to be the only thing that I think really sort of stood out for me during this whole episode. Yeah, that, you... that bit was horrible, wasn't it? That, that woman, yeah. Brittany, who... Um, he said that he was interested to go and find a woman's point of view on this because this sort of, I'm using air quotes, political movement. It's not. It's a bunch no. of smelly virgin boys. And you can I was smell gonna say. the incel virginity coming from that crowd. And But these are the boys that we need to be careful of and we need to be warning people about. Um, but so it was fascinating to see a woman who had at some point aligned herself with the far right for fun because she seemed to be all about the giggles and she was hiding behind her naivety and then I think it was that moment with that terrible video of that man threatening to rape her where she went hang on this isn't a funny joke anymore but only because it affected her personally she was fine with saying horrible things about everybody who's not white that was fine that was fun but when it actually it affected her personally that was when the penny dropped long live her getting out of this whole scene and having the strength to do what she wants to do by herself. But I don't know. It seems like the kind of thing that you can, especially if you built your whole social community around it, it feels like the kind of thing that could just drag you back in, whether you were scared of the people in that community or not. It's very tragic. And that's what a lot of them were saying, I think, throughout that, oh, I'm just being funny. I sort of believe in that. I think it was the Beards guy. He was like, I have only got vague political beliefs. You know, this is... This is just a bit of right-wing humour. We should be able to joke about whatever we want. And then when challenged on something a little bit more controversial, they get very defensive. And by the end, he's alienated two of these guys, hasn't he? Both baked to Alaska as well, gets on his case. I think, for me, the best Louis Theroux ones are the ones which feel quite personal and where he's like invested in his subjects. I don't know, Sarah, if you remember the one he did on alcoholism. I don't remember it specifically, but the ones that he's done in this country, mm. maybe it's because it is sort of a problem that's on our home turf, whereas this is, fingers crossed, an imported problem, but it does seem like it is being imported. You know, mm. it's an American problem that's that's now become a worldwide problem because of these internet communities. Is it really a community that he's, these people are actually appealing to? Because collectively, yeah, it's a community, but individually, they seem to be, as they call them, incels. There's just men just sitting around. Uh, they've got Always their own the echo chambers. Basement. Always yeah. in the basement, because they, yeah. they might sort of, like, see the light of day and, like, shrivel up and die. I mean, we can, but hope. And I think you're right as well, Sarah, about there being an element of sort of these are the boys that the girls never looked at and you know oh yeah every is... single man in that in that sort of fake conference where they're cosplaying as being politicians that we see at the starts every single guy in that room would consider himself a nice guy and it's exactly those red flag warning signs that everybody needs to be aware of not just women because they're going around 
saying, oh, no, 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 you know, we just want to put white people first. We're not white nationalists. It's so funny how they <laughs> try to run away. They run away from that label because they're quite media savvy because they, they're younger than us. They've always had the internet. They know what plays well. They know what's good optics. So they, they're trying to... Sort, I was like, what is the point of this guy? What is the point of America first? Why is he mimicking the mainstream media with his little suit and his desk and his mug and his microphone and all that? If he hates them so much, why does he mimic them? And then I'm like, hang on a minute. He's shaving off the rough edges. He's not the tattooed skinhead with the wife beater shirt on. He's more insidious than that, which is how we ended up with the Donald Trump presidency. I can't remember which one it was that was the threat in Brittany. Was it was it the small guy? The guy, I think. He said he was married, which surprised me. Quite. Oh, and that I thought that the women who we barely saw at the very start mm. of the yeah. conference centre were fascinating mm. because they are hanging out with people who think that The Handmaid's Tale is a roadmap for the future. How much do they hate themselves? Um, and also, also quite sadly as well, because they were like, we don't talk to journalists. So they weren't playing the same game that the boys were. They were like, nah. It's all indoctrination, though, isn't it? You start off with their ideal and then you drill it into the people that are living by themselves and get it into their heads. And they then pass it on to their community that they're seeing online. And it just seems to work and fester and then get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that seems to be what's happening with these sort of groups in America. But, of course, there's a lot of people that's also pointing out this is how it's all coming about because you're actually doing it behind doors like basically so they've been able to get this community up and growing it shouldn't really be happening at all people should be pointing it out louis is pointing it out but i don't think he's pointing it out as as well as he could have done it might make it a bit more in people's faces that they can go around saying yeah that's not right especially when you go around with some of the the comments that these people were, were making people should be uh, women should be voting we want a white only uh, women are a complete disaster yeah, women yeah. crack under the pressure yeah. i especially disliked that thing about women not being intentionally funny i'm like mate just because our never sense listened to this humor podcast, doesn't align yeah. doesn't mean that i'm not funny i'm way funnier than you that terrible Twitter song that he was so oh. proud of. And his oh. cameraman singing along to it as well. Yeah. We haven't mentioned that, that Bates Alaska has got his own cameraman following him around, making a documentary about Louis, making a documentary about him. And then when they are watching the song, as you say, you've just got the little cameraman singing along to this song because he's probably heard it so many times before. Four cameramen walking around behind him. The yeah, ones that you one saw one. earlier on and the ones he was back again. And then about two or three others that were hanging around. And they were just walking around with him, recording all these things that were provoking people and stuff. I think, you know, we've all sort of mentioned it a little bit, but this, I think, is sort of almost like low-hanging fruit to make fun of in a way. You know, that's Louis' style, I think, especially when he goes to America. It's sort of poking fun a little bit at this. Mm. I but think it enough, oh. though, because he was... Very straight faced yeah. about it all, took them very seriously as like social media geniuses, he said at one point. And I'm like, is this kind of oxygen? I know that by turning your cameras on these people, they're not going to disappear. They're not going to see the light of day. And you shouldn't avoid these hard conversations. But who, what purpose does a show like this serve? I don't think I learned anything. And he's amplifying this dangerous message. Do you think, though, Suki's point about 
getting that larger audience thinking about this uh, larger BBC audience? Do you think that's the point? I think that is helpful, but especially if you've got a teenage son who's unhappy and spends too long online, have a chat with him. What is he watching? What is he listening to? Who does he rate as being a really good YouTuber? And what sort of stuff are they into? But... I haven't got kids. I don't want to sit through that educational message. No. I, I want teenagers to be brighter than that and, and less lonely, I suppose. I want them to find, like I did when I was younger, I want them to find happy little friendly communities online that are going to look after them and aren't going to treat them like social media cannon fodder. I've got four kids. I mean, two of them married and two of them are still at home. But I do encourage them not to just sit around at home and do their own little thing in their own rooms right because that's not healthy for them they need to be going out and mingling with real life people so i've, I've got them involved in after school classes and to the, the godwara i'm a sikh i'll go to the godwara i'll so I take them to the, them sort of places the wife takes them out this way it gets them out and about mingling with real life people instead of sitting at home all different well, that, kinds of people yeah. as well, not just people who look like them yeah. and think like them and are programmed in the same way yeah. as them. I sort of banned the lad from playing Fortnite all the while, right? But he's now at an age when he's old enough now to do whatever he wants. Uh, but I'm encouraging him now just to go out and about and just do mm. someone else instead of just sitting around playing a game. It's just... Yeah. Fortnite is fine, but then that man said Fortnite is the new golf course. Hang on a minute, wait, let me just go yes. and burn all of my consoles. It's really put me off any kind of gaming, if that's what that man says. I mean, we never got indoctrinated through playing Mario Kart, did we, or anything yeah. like that? <laughs> I, I suppose the other thing that I wanted to quickly mention is I found this was one of documentaries where I found Louis got involved in it more than he normally does. You know, the two, Nick and I think it was Beardson both, you know, had shots at him on their channels. Nick, I think, had said he was, you know, he wasn't as open-minded as he should have been. And Beardson said uh, was very much attacking him because he'd stopped the interview halfway through when they'd started talking about this Nazi salute. And he was like, I'm not a Nazi. And Louis was like, yes, you are. And then he called into his show and he hung up on him again. It felt like Louis was interjecting himself into the story. Normally, he's more of a, a passive observer. He also, at one point, says to Nick, I am fundamentally opposed to everything you believe in, which we sort of knew anyway, really. We know Louis's politics from watching his programmes previously. I have a little sympathy for him here because these characters are not that interesting. So perhaps he did need to interject himself, but it was a bit messy with cameraman on cameraman and then I'm going to end the interview here but I'm going to ring you while you're live streaming it felt like a sort of boys club that I did not want to join <laughs> one that he did uh, towards the end where he's actually like being live streaming he did take himself out of the narrative there he says mm. I'm actually encouraging people to give this guy money because I'm actually on camera with him he's been spotted that he's mentioned him all the while so he took himself away but then uh, when he did try to confront him, again, he was being live-streamed. So he did actually confront all three of them, but what sort of results he got out of it, it was just mainly abuse. They like the confrontation, don't they? They think yeah. that they're mm. somehow they've got the upper hand in an argument if they can shout bitch and, like, run away. That's just how they <sighs> speak online. It's not We're not getting any further forward in this conversation. I like. I did like the fact that uh, right at the beginning, the the little couches that they had. Uh, instead of putting the little comma where he should have gone, 
And you've got America first, bitch. Right? Mm-hmm. America first, bitch. America I think first, bitch. Yeah. And <laughs> and so. of they they mention as well the um the riots on the Capitol, which one was it? Baked Alaska was involved in that, I think. Yeah. I think we're all sort of saying it felt like a little bit possibly disjointed. There didn't feel like there was a sort of proper like narrative running through it. It was just the same conversation he had with Mm. three or four different people. I would have liked to have seen someone who had stepped away properly and was sort of like deprogrammed. A bit like when he did the Westboro Baptist Church, the before and after, you know, because we can't, as much as I would like to, we can't write these people off. We can't say they're just idiots on the internet. There is real world consequences for this sort of stuff, as we've seen all around the world. They mentioned the um, attacks on the um, Muslim people, New Zealand, and that's just unacceptable. And this is the sort of rhetoric that stokes those actions in the people who are most vulnerable. So what we need to do is kind of have 10 minutes with Louis Theroux and a psychologist saying, how do we help these people? I suppose the nearest we got there was Brittany, wasn't it? And her, you know, she was involved and she'd sort of got out. But as you said, she still had those beliefs. I, I think she wasn't sure what she really believed in. And I think that might be the kind of person they're indoctrinating who doesn't have any strong beliefs until they meet this guy who, you know, through online gaming. And then they found that connection that they didn't possibly have before. But I couldn't help but notice that Nicolas Fuente, that's a lovely Spanish surname you've got there. Uh, the Baked Alaska guy, very, very French name. Every single one of them had what sounded to me like a very foreign sounding surname. The, the, and it was just hilarious given that these people want no more immigration to the US. Uh, we have to be aware that everyone in America, apart from the indigenous people, are immigrants. They arrived by choice or by force. There wouldn't be an America, you know, if those indigenous people had not been there. So you're not really Americans. It's just mind boggling that they can be like, no, it's fine. We can definitely run a successful country with no immigration. Well, you'll get to that point because if people like Nick do become president, nobody's going to want to come. (laughs) The man has delusions of being a president in states. And I don't think he definitely (laughs) believes he might get there, but I don't think he will somehow. Let's hope not, anyway. Oh, that's the thing. I'd love to know, because these people are all quite young. Would you say they were all sort of in their... Nick was 22. Nick 22. Yeah, if they're all in their 20s and early 30s, where are their parents? (laughs) Where are their parents? And are they proud of them? Do they know what they're doing? That would have been a good slant, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would have been maybe one of the things he could have looked at as well. Family members, that would have been maybe a good slant rather than just spending time with these guys, getting riled up and and confronting him. Right, let's go to something completely different and talk about uh, Reacher, which is a new um, Amazon Prime series based on the novels. Suki, this was your choice for us to cover this week, and you've got a prior relationship with this this character, is that correct? Yes. What this is, is uh, it's a fi- very faithful ad- adaptation of the very first Jack Reacher novel by Lee Childs, which is uh, called The Killing Floor. You've got Reacher, played by Alan Richardson, Richardson from uh, Smallville and Titans. He comes off a bus, walks down huge road, uh, goes all the way to the town, and sits down at a restaurant, and before you know it, he's been arrested for murder. 
He's not been in the town long. He's not even had a taste of the pie that he wants. And he's just been arrested for murder. He is a former Marine sergeant, military police. So he's always got a detective's head on. And he realises something's going on. And while he's sitting in the cell, he's already deduced that it was three people have killed this person. He's already reduced uh, that the detective is uh, just newly coming to town and he's divorced and so on. But at the end of the episode, there's a huge revelation about who this person is that's been murdered. Love this adaptation. This first episode, loved it because it was faithful to the book. There's a big, massive fight sequence in a prison, which is just brilliant to watch. Fast cutting, great fights. The stunts were great. The, the eye gouging, which is straight out of the book, was a very, very nice touch. And uh, I just thought the way this was done, I thought it was brilliant. I mean, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the stories. I mean, there's 26 novels in this. And from what I've been told, because this, this has already been renewed for a second season, uh, that this they will be filming a book every year or so. And hopefully they'll do at least six or seven before they decide to knock it on the end. But Jack Reacher ages through all the books. So he, he might be in his mid-30s here, late 30s. By the time he comes to his latest books, I think he's in his uh, uh, late 50s, early 60s. So Alan Richardson could theoretically carry on playing this role all the way. And he doesn't have to you know, be like a, a massive man mountain that he is. What I was going to ask you, actually, Suki, I know there was two films as well, wasn't there, with Tom Cruise? And I, I remember at the time there was quite a big, uh, from the, the fans of the book, saying that Tom Cruise really didn't have, you know, wasn't who the people imagined when they were reading the novel. So this actor, Alan Richardson, is that right? Alan Richardson, yeah. Yeah, it's, is he more sort of what you imagine when you, you know, you're reading the, yeah. the novels? or When you read the novels... You see uh, Reacher is six foot five, 260 pounds, really massive man. But when you come to the films that came out, Tom Cruise is six foot five. He's five foot six, five foot seven, or I don't know how big he is. He's a, he's a titchy guy. I've got nothing against the book, uh, the films because they're quite decent films, the second one, eh? but the, the, they're okay films. The character, the way he portrayed it was great, is okay. But it wasn't based on the character in the books, which mm. this is why it drew the anger of the Lee Childs novels, uh, fans, basically. If they'd have stuck faithfully to the actual description of the character, Tom Cruise would not have played it. Uh, the TV show, they have stuck faithfully to that. They've looked for an actor that's quite tall, has got a lot of muscle on him, and he can act. What I found, actually, Sucky, was that I thought he had a superb physical charisma, you know, which came across, you know, he he doesn't really say anything in the first five minutes. You sort of get his presence before he actually speaks. I I thought this was a, a, a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoyed it, I think, a lot more than I thought it I thought I would. You know, it had that mixture of quite clever, witty dialogue, the action, you know, satisfying payoffs to an extent and, and that sort of continued mystery, as you say, at the end. They sort of set up. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. 
free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off. Plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. What it's going to be about and sort of reach uh, reaches revenge... I think at times, you know, he he's there explaining the plot to you a little bit, isn't he? Someone's out to get me when he's in prison, or my brother was obviously sending me a message. The mm. book is in a first-person narrative, so mm. you you're actually the first the book you 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 see and hear things through the eyes and ears of uh, Jack Reacher as he's going along. Mm. So maybe that's why it seems to be the way this show is being filmed. What I felt as well was this very much big man in this, you know, big man sort of physically in this small town where everyone sort of knows everyone's business. Very sort of man with no name esque. Uh, reminded me a bit of, uh, I don't know if you know the uh, Spencer Tracy film Bad Day at Black Rock, who's this stranger who gets off the bus and everyone's immediately suspicious of him and his motives. And I didn't really recognize anyone in this. The only person I knew was um, the guy who plays Guillermo and what we do in the shadows, who appeared at the end as the uh, forensic scientist, who's like, this is this is my first dead body. I hope you know what you're doing because I've got no idea. I quite like that little bit of humour at the end there. Uh, stopped it from going completely po-faced. But I like that because I didn't feel like, I, like when we got onto the fear index, I felt like I was watching a Josh Hartnett vehicle here. It just felt like you could sort of escape into the characters a little bit. I was pretty sure from the opening moments, I was like, well, this is dumb shit. <laughs> this is very shiny to look at, but it's not going to be for me. And I was pleasantly surprised. If I'd known that we aren't just talking about the Hulk, but he's also Bruce Banner, he's got the brains and the brawn, I would have been in from the first moment. I was so pleased with it. I do like that. Just being quiet right up until the point that you've got an amazing deductive speech to give, like Sherlock Holmes. I really liked that. And I could see from the very outset, they didn't have to spell it out, but you can see, you know, like the Tweedy cop is going to be kind of his partner unofficially, but not. And then like Roscoe, the cute blonde cop, who's like, she's really cool. She knows what she's doing, but there's going to be a little bit of a love interest there. None of that felt forced. And it, it was... It was silly, but it was fun silly. And I, I really quite enjoyed it. And like you say, the fight scenes were incredible. I think the most unbelievable thing in it, actually, was the beginning when he ordered a piece of pie. This is, doesn't look like a man who's ever eaten a dessert in his life looking at his body. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he didn't get to eat any of that pie, did he? No. Before I, know. I, would, I would definitely <laughs> eat, at least had that piece that was on the fork. Whether the guy was going to shoot me or not, I'd be like, I deserve this. <laughs> 
Well, there is. Oh, I could say there's a spoiler for the eighth episode because the eighth episode is entitled Pie. So mm. I'm just wondering where you from that right Does, from he, that get scene, Does he just eat pie the entire time? Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. I eat it. Now, I don't know whether I would prioritize this, but it is definitely like, you know, you need the sort of fun, like escapist pieces, don't you, to sort of counterbalance. I mean, I really enjoyed uh, Lupin last year. I think that was one that sort of yeah. got me. And, you know, we had yeah, the talk. Yeah, it's a similar sort of vibe, isn't it? And it makes I mean, me think of 24 back in the day. Showrunner is uh, Nick Santara, who's from uh, the Scorpion TV show. Uh, he created that. And I've, if you ever used to watch that, that was fun escapism. Right, it was nonsense basically, but it was good, good show. Uh, but and so I'm hoping that he brings this sort of humor as well, coupled with the Lee Child's humor, it might just make it interesting, uh, epi- uh series to watch because I've only seen the first episode because I didn't want to go around too much into it because I knew that I was going to be doing it. With yeah, you yeah, and it's all is it all up on Amazon Prime now? It's, it's not yeah, one which they're dropping weekly. No, it's uh, all up on Amazon, so you can binge it uh, at your leisure. Like a good piece of pie, if you want. Like. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance to eat it. And and Sarah, what what are your feelings on watching on at all? Or I've got so much on my yeah. list in a minute, but <laughs> why not? It's mm. it's fun. The bad guys have turned up in their truck, and I want to know what happens to the bad guys, and I want to see them get you know get smashed in the face essentially. And it's not as po faced, I think, as some of these action no, dramas are. Not. You need there's that bit of humour. You need character. There's a real sense of humour here, you know. Mm-hmm. And Reacher, he he's the brunt of the jokes sometimes, but he can take it on the chin. I really like that. But this like... is all from the uh, the books as well. The mm-hmm. humour is from the books. So if you if you get a chance to read some of the the novels, by all means, go for it because you get a lot more enjoyment out of it. As we said, that's all up there now on Amazon Prime. And uh, next up, we're going to. Sort of a similar genre piece, I think. More, more of a thriller, perhaps. Uh, again, based on a book. This time it's The Fear Index, uh, written by Robert Harris. It is weekly on Sky Atlantic. And Sarah's just going to take us through a brief synopsis of this. So Josh Hartnett, off of films, uh, plays a rich guy in Geneva whose life starts to unravel after a mysterious home break-in. Is he being persecuted or is it all in his head? Honestly, I hope it's the former. Because this guy is stinking rich. He's in stocks. And we don't actually get to find out why he's such a genius until right at the end of the programme. His investors and his tech guys have built a system that exploits human fear and panic in the financial markets. So this guy is bad. Why do I care what happens to him? This is like rich people problems squared. I liked the fact that the detective who turns up looking very dishevelled, which is his stock in trade, is Gregory Montel, who plays Gabriel in Call My Agent. It's basically they've just picked one character up out of a show and put it into another. And I'm hoping that there's a bit of levity and humour there because this is (laughs) Poe-based. The cops at least needle him about the cost of his house, which is 42 million euros, and how the rich people are pricing ordinary people out of the city of Geneva. His wife is Gabby. I think, is she an artist or a gallery owner or something? That's Leela Farzad, recently seen in I Hate Susie and Landscapers. I think she's better than this. 
I think she's an artist because she's got an exhibition at an art gallery, hasn't she? I, I think couldn't that work day. out. Yeah. They've got so much money, it feels like they could own the gallery or the whole <laughs> museum. You know what I mean? Yeah. She doesn't seem like the struggling artist type. He gets knots on the head. Was it by an intruder or did he do it to himself somehow? He goes to hospital. He has a panic attack in the CAT scan. There's not a chance they'd be able to get clear pictures. Absolutely none. I know from experience. Um, but the doctor says there's something strange going on on the image and how he needs to go to his GP. There's three people in this relationship. So there's Gabby, the wife, who just seems to just roll over. He's like, oh, yeah, I might. They might have some weird head stuff going on. But actually, I'm just going to go to work because my meeting's more important. And then his right hand man is Asha Hugo. Ali, who plays Hugo Quarry, who is always in a waistcoat. Is he a wrongan? He looks very smart in a waistcoat. He's either a snooker player or a wrongan. I just wish that this... I just wish he wasn't so intensely unlikable. I mean, the very fact that he starts out receiving a present, the expression of the emotions by Darwin, in which people are being tortured. Maybe he's yeah. bought it for himself. And Maybe someone's bought it for him. Yeah. It's not a nice interest to have. I mean, you know, Darwin's written a lot more interesting books about birds and, and the origins of life. Why do you have to read the gross one? I couldn't care less about him. He was horrible and the programme was boring. Do you think that was partly the performance from Josh Hartnett as well? There was a lot going on on his face, always kind of scared and frightened. I usually love people breaking the fourth wall because I love it, because it's <laughs> and funny and cheeky and I love it. But right at the end where the, the viewer is going, oh, is he a bad man? He turns to the camera and looks straight down the lens. And they've used that on all of the adverts. Yeah, where the, the police officer says, doesn't he, at the same time he does that, who is Alex Hoffman? And he just look, he looks at the camera at exactly the same time. I agree with uh, a lot of what Sarah just said, that it was a bit boring. Not exactly good for the motions. It just seemed to uh, meander. Because all you saw was the, the breaking and then the sort of after effects. And it just sort of meandered after that. The knowing look to the camera, I did like that. I don't know why. I just like a knowing look to the camera. And the way he just turned around and just go, oh, very nice, very nice. But the best thing in it was Leclerc. My name is Leclerc. It is I, Gregory Montel. And his uh, Colombo physique and Mac that he had on. He was the best thing in it. But after that, there wasn't too much to really keep me that interested in it. The, the, the fear index thing and the book that he's got, they're connected. That's, so that's why he's probably got that book. But then after that, there is nothing else for me that's going to keep me interested in this series. Comparing it to Reacher, it hasn't got that humour apart from, you know, as you both said, the, the French detective. I've never been that taken by Josh Hartnett. I thought, you know, he was sort of very much the heartthrob, wasn't he, in the late 90s, early 2000s. He did a lot of these, you know, teen comedies and, and sci-fi. I remember The Faculty, for example, is, is one of his, and Halloween H2O. You know, here we are sort of 20 years later and he's still sort of playing these very mysterious characters. It didn't really do much for me. And I think we, we were all saying the same thing. I saw... The Telegraph did a review where they said it's it's a thriller that moves at the same pace as a hedgehog pottering around a garden, which I thought was a brilliant headline. That it's hedgehog all... is dead. <laughs> it, it's all very... Little in the air, he is dead. <laughs> but it is all very generic, 
you know, you've got, as you said, the scared looks from Hartnett. You've got the music which is blaring at you, the suspenseful the mu- oh. music. The music uh, did really get, I mean, I'm not usually a music person, but I do appreciate when it enhances the drama. And this was enhancing it too much. It just did my head in. It should have made it more subtle instead of more in your face that they were trying to do here. And I just, it did my head in. As you said as well, Sarah, you know, this is a protagonist who is essentially evil. You know, he he profits off other people's fear, as the as the um, title suggests. And, you know, they're, they're early on. It's, it's um, the Colombian election, isn't it? And... Well, the people of Colombia are hoping he gets elected because he's going to bring sort of more prosper- prosperity to the to the country. But yeah, they're, on... they're basically they're hedging their bets and they're they're betting against peaceful leaders and peaceful yeah. positions because what yeah. they want is riots. Yeah, and you know situations in society all around the world where people are going to feel more scared. You come to that explanation of what he's proposing to his group of investors, mm. but by that point. I'd already zoned out because of the way this shit, right? So I did not understand what he was proposing to this group. Boring. And then they yeah. added stocks and shares and you're like, yeah. mate, I am out. The only way I understood what was going on afterwards is because when I came to do a little bit of notes, I actually read up on it on, I think, on Wikipedia. It does explain what this fear index is. If I'd have just been watching this show, I'd have been probably asleep by the time that uh, boardroom scene came along. So maybe they should have rejigged it where you had that idea of what he did first before we then had the attack. Would that have made it slightly understanding this character a little bit more or do we not care either way? That attack happened 10, yeah. 15 minutes into the episode. So nothing really happened apart from him driving in his car. And Getting the book. Yeah. Beautiful scenery of his car in the countryside, the house looking lovely, and all this stuff. Nothing really happened for about 10, no. 15 minutes. And then we had a little montage of them in the bedroom and then straight into uh, the attack. Uh, and it just by that time, you know, oh, I am. Can, can I just say, he thinks there's someone in the house. Yes. He runs outside and he leaves his wife asleep yes. in bed. Is, yes. Wasn't that the Oscar Pistorius defence? How did that yes. go down? <laughs> what a wicked man. He's yeah. leaving his wife as bait in the house while he thinks there's a violent intruder. I already thought he was despicable by that point, never mind later on in the episode. Yeah, so it was just very po-face, very sort of generic, league performance not great. The reviews have been sort of mixed. There have been some positive reviews, which I'm very surprised about. But, Tell yeah. all those people to go and watch Reacher instead. They'll have much more fun. Mm. Yes, go Sarah. Well done, Sarah. <laughs> all three of us, it's a thumbs down, uh, not continuing this. But if you want to see for yourself, this is on Sky Atlantic Weekly, I believe Wednesdays, uh, and it will be on now as well. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. And something else on now, and I believe this is the Peacock app on Sky as well. It's uh, Bel Air, which is in the same vein as, as some other shows we've talked about recently, where everyone seems to now be reviving shows from the 90s, the 80s and 90s. So we have had... Uh, Saved by the Bell, which was a sort of direct sequel to the original. And then we had uh, The Wonder Years, which was set in the 60s, but focusing on a black family. 
And now we've got Bel Air, which is an updated version of the French Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So it's set in the modern day, but it's also they've decided to do it as an hour drama, which is a bizarre decision. This is actually uh, based on, I believe there was a short film of this. Someone did almost like a mock-up of, uh, there's a filmmaker called Ryan Coogler who did Black Panther, but previous to that did a film called Fruitvale Station. And it's very much in the vein of these sort of inner city dramas i suppose you're going back to boys in the hood in a way as well aren't you with this uh we've got will smith the character who um there was a couple of guys who were up to no good who made trouble in his neighborhood and <laughs> i like the fact that as they were going along they weren't actually slipping in lyrics in the dialogue they did at one yeah. point though they did a, a, a number of occasions they did it I was thinking, yeah there oh, were some yeah. direct quotes sort yeah. of like a little sort of funny little easter egg for us because he does say at one point that my mum got scared and said you're moving with your auntie and uncle in bel-air but it's very much the first 10 or 15 minutes of this are him in his west philadelphia neighborhood as this college basketball prospect he's very netted to his community he doesn't want to sort of leave what he knows confronts these known gangsters on a basketball court gets found with a gun and at that point his mum says you know you're going to bel-air with your rich relatives i believe it's his maternal aunt isn't it is aunt viv uncle phil's running for da in bel-air and we meet carlton who is very much the villain of the piece not like the Carlton we remember at all as the fun-loving, you know, dancing, almost foil in the original. Hillary, who is the Instagram influencer here, reminding everyone now we're in the 2020s. This absolutely suits her character perfectly, doesn't it? Yeah. And Ashley, who didn't really have a lot to do as she did in the um, in the series at the start. Uh, we also have got an updated version of Jeffrey, who's gone from posh British butler. He's almost like the political aide, isn't he, in a way, to Uncle Phil? He's not just a butler, he's a fixer yeah. as well. Like, yeah. you know, you can go and sort a guy well, out. He, he said he runs the household, didn't he, was his title when he was first introduced. House manager. And Jimmy Acabolo, who we'll know from Rev, and, I mean, he was in Holby City for a time. For You know, he's a he's a familiar face on, on British screens. So it sort of ends with Will going to this party with Carlton. He um, is approached by Carlton's ex-girlfriend, who finds him very attractive very quickly, Carlton sees them kissing and it ends with him punching Carlton in the face. Are we all familiar with the with the source material? Did we all watch this when it was back on back in the 90s? I remember BBC Two Tuesday night, six o'clock. I don't know why I remember that so well, but there you go. I'm impressed. I remember watching it, but I couldn't tell you yeah. when and where. It was an after school oh. thing, certainly for me. These things stick in your mind. I can remember, you know, Channel 4 showing Roseanne at the same time and Home Improvement. But this just to me seems like a bizarre idea. I, I, I mean, Sucky, what what did you make of this? It's it's completely odd. If you're familiar with the original Fresh Prince of Bel Air, it's fun. It's funny. You know, it just suits the personality of Will Smith, who's a larger than life rapper. Now, this uh, showrunner that they've got, he just decided to make it all dark and gritty. It does actually work quite well in that you you bring this character from West Philadelphia, where he's been ground up around gangsters and drugs and, and just trying to live a normal life within all this environment, and then put him into a mega rich society, which is also still with drugs from 
well, the looks of it, because Carlton, you know, Carlton's a drug addict, which is a surprise. Didn't think that was going to happen. I thought he would be, as as Matt said, it was just going to be the foil to Will Smith's character, like uh, like in the original show. But now he seems to be the antagonist. He's just going to be the bad guy. It is different, but it's also a good reimagining of that show. I will be carrying on watching this. The 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 lead actor is great in that he he does seem to do a really good job of being a vulnerable teenager in West Philadelphia and being sort of cocky of his talent and then having to bring that sort of cockiness with him basically to uh, Bel Air and then try to assimilate himself into that sort of environment which I think he will do uh, and then just be able to uh, bring all these other factors that are around him into this show so I do think this is a show that will grow and grow in that people will get invested in the way these versions of these familiar characters are portrayed and they will get to enjoy it more and more. So I'm hoping this will be a success. Yeah, I was very resistant to this when I first saw about it. I was like, well, what? What's the point of this? It feels kind of lazy not to write something new about the Black American experience, but I understand that the familiar characters and locations were draw for people who enjoyed the original. So this is like a way to get people to watch it. It works for movie franchises. Why not TV as well? It did make me feel a little bit elderly. Was it just me or was the sound mix off? Because the music was loud. Yeah. Um, loud. Last week, I apologise. Whenever I was on last, I think I mentioned grime. Actually, it's trap. But anyway, that sort of music. I said rap music the other week. Yes, and you that really you. That, that dated you to a, a Fresh Prince fan from the 90s. It was weird, but it wasn't bad. Like Suki said, it was strange. Absolutely, now is the time to be talking about black families in America without a shadow of a doubt. But is this the way to do it? I don't know. I, it was amazing to see the house, the way it's been updated and the way it's, it's on steroids. There's no way that their house before was as big as this. Incredible. I think... The person who that I'm going to enjoy the most in this is going to be Jazz. I think Jazz was a little bit too much. I think he was a little bit annoying in the original. But in this one, he just seems to undercut all of the pomposity. And I really like that. As they as they get up to the house for the first time, he says something like, you didn't tell me your family was white. <laughs> I just thought that was really cool. Uh, did you actually watch the original trailer that he put out? It was only about a three or four minute thing that he put out. I, I remember watching this, and this is going back about two, three years or whatever it was. And when I watched that, I thought, that is just brilliant. Because as it says, it just brought the familiar things that you saw from the original show uh, bang up to date. This is the way this show is going to have to uh, go forward, make sure it's different from what we've seen before. If the original show was just all fun and frolics with the occasional hard hitting storyline, mm. this one is going to be hard hitting storylines, by the way, all the way through, because they had racism in there. They had the drug storyline that's now going to play, come oh. into play. Those, there's also those horrible teammates of Carton's. He thinks it's yes. kind of fun that they're listening to rap music together with the yeah. N word in it, and these boys are dancing around him, shouting this N word at him. And it takes Will to go in, hot-headed Will, to go in and go, no, stop it, this is bad. So it's really interesting to see that they, people might be in the same family, but they've got two different opinions on, on you know, whether it's okay for, for white people to sing along or shout along but, to that kind of music. Yeah, but this is the way this family has been brought up. They have been around white people all the while. Mm -hmm. And 
these white people do listen to this music and they're hearing the n-word all the while and because they hear it all the while and they've got this black friend who doesn't seem to mind them saying it they've got it in their head and it's okay mm-hmm. to say this is as you said you needed that will smith character to come in who knows that that word is just not can't be used by a white person for him to say it out loud and to be able to try and get this sort of thing into Carlton's head. And Carlton, who yeah, just it's wants like, to be friends. It's like if they, if they can overcome like so many problems that are already in their relationship, Carlton needs Will's advice, you know, on how to to like be more authentic, like love himself better. The, the other thing there as well is Aunt Vivian, the fact that she's had to change how where she came from and adapt is also a sort of thing that doesn't help uh, Carlton as he's growing up. Because if mm. he's seen his own mob adapting to whatever uh, the culture is around in Bel Air, he's probably going to think it's okay to do these sort of things or let these people do these things in front of him. So mm. when you bring an outsider in, such as Will, this might also bring more drama to the show. I'll when he's you. in that, that fancy suit and bowls up to the party and he's like, hey, and he's got so much swagger and he's loud... And all of the people are sort of looking down their noses at him. I felt really sorry for him. And then he's not stupid because it's at that point when um, Uncle Phil's making the speech about wanting to become district attorney and like how they have to look after the vulnerable black youth and make sure that they, you know, they're on the right path in life. That's when the penny drops and he realises, is he there because the family love him and want to help him? Or is he there because Uncle Phil's got him out of prison and wants to use him as a campaign prop? And you do feel for him. If he was in Philadelphia, that's uh, he's in trouble there. But the fact that he comes over to Bel Air but still wants to go back to Philadelphia to try and sort out a situation that knows he could end up being a lot worse than it is because it could end up being killed or they are actually good for him, so he will be killed. He's uh, so worried just... about his friend, isn't he? He's so yeah. loyal that he will put himself in danger and go back because... He doesn't know what else to do. Well, he's a young teenager. and he, That's all he is. He just doesn't think of the long-term implications of what might happen. You know, his mum is keen to get him out. And, he, you know, she's wanted to get him out via college, isn't she? I think she wants to get him out of West Philadelphia. She gets it out of him, but he is nervous to leave the, mm. like, 14 city blocks that he's always known. Mm. Um, but then suddenly, you know, it's not college anymore. It becomes an emergency. Yeah, and I think Aunt Viv has that similar conversation with him later on, doesn't she, doesn't she, where she says, like, you know, I need to find my people before I, f- I felt comfortable here. For me, I, I, you know, what you were saying, Sarah, if they were going to make this show, why did they feel like they needed to sort of do it as a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, sort of those characters? Why, why didn't we just have fresh characters? I, I just found it all a little bit almost like uncanny in a way. Like It was quite jarring, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. it, it very much felt like one of these sort of slick um, teen dramas that you would see on the CW in the States. You know, I'm thinking about like 90210 or One Tree Hill, the OC, things like that. You know, it did have a lot to say, though, about, you know, as you both said, like being a black person in a majority white society and how you fit in. And whether you like Carlton, just try and laugh it off and be one of the boys or like Will saying, no, actually, this is wrong. And seeming like the pariah in a way. I know it's episode one. And and you say you've got that character, Jazz, who is very much the, the sort of low status guy who lives in Compton 
and so he sort of has that affinity with Will and, and I think you know as we remember very much his his sort of confidant away from the family in in the show but I, I I liked it. I I you know I watched it all in one sitting. It never bored me, and I was fascinated by it. But I I don't think it's something I'm going to continue with. Uh, but Suki, you, you it was beautiful to look at as well. Mm. Wasn't it? There was yeah very slick screen. Yeah, yeah, and the performances were cracking. They were really I good. liked Jabari Banks, which is odd. It's someone with the surname Banks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as he had he had a lot of charisma. He made it work, you know, you weren't feeling like, you know, he was something different from Will Smith, but he still had that enthusiasm. He, he really studied the mannerisms as well, mm-hmm. like, but it, none of it seemed forced. It seemed like a real character. For me, not enough to hook me. Sucker, you're saying you are going to continue with this. Yes, I will be. I'm going to try and get the two kids that I've got living with me, try and get them onto it and see what they think. And uh, we'll go from there. From Sarah? Gorgeous, really interesting, probably not. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, that's a, that's a good note to end on, I suppose, this week. <laughs> thanks for that, Sarah. Um, and thanks for joining us, Suki. I've, I hope you've enjoyed it this week. Oh, it's been a blast. <laughs> <laughs> we do. The, the West the, Midlands Massive in the house. Yeah, the West Midlands-centric episode that everyone, I'm sure, was looking forward to. <laughs> So, um, again, on Twitter, I am at Matt Stevie Bites. Luke is on both at It's Luke Knowles and at the Cust- at Luke Custard TV. Suki, where, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at Soman underscore 151. At Sarah Hamstera. As I said before, check out thecustardtv.com. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, all those podcast apps of choice. Give us a follow and a five-star review. That really helps. Uh, we will be back next week to talk, among other things, Apple TV Plus's Severance and the new series of The Marvelous and Mrs. Maisel. Um, but for now, thank you and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Ho ho ho! Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.